Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the first ever episode of the Three Ravens Bestiary, a series all about mythical monsters, legendary creatures, and things that go bump in the night. My name's Martin Vaux, writer, storyteller, and English romanticism obsessive, and I'm joined, as ever, by my partner in crime and all dark arts, Eleanor Connor. Hello! So, Eleanor, I thought we might start our journey into mythical beasts with one of the most iconic of all, and a creature we haven't yet featured on the podcast, the one-horned, two-eyed, swishy-tailed murder horse... The unicorn. I'm assuming I'm meant to sing that to the tune of Purple People Eat. <laughs> <laughs> One horn, two words, swishy tailed murder horse. <laughs> so much better. Uh, <laughs> now, I'm quite surprised that unicorns haven't actually come up in a mainline podcast yeah, episode yet. Because I think I'm right in saying they're quite a common feature of heraldry. Well, they sure are and feature on the British Royal Coat of Arms and have done, and this is the key date, since 1603. Ah, Yes, exactly. Ah, because in 1603... We had the Act of Union with Scotland. Ding, ding, ding. Points for the pretty lady with the hair made of shadows. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb a little bit here in saying, basically, we've been focusing on England's historic counties and their mythology, whereas the unicorn is famously associated with Scotland. So much so, in fact, that the unicorn is actually the official animal of Scotland. No way. Yes way. The mythical unicorn is Scotland's national animal. Not like a highland cat or a wild cat or a pine martin nope. or any number of the animals that are actually there. No, 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 no. Unicorn. <laughs> and it has been for centuries. Okay. <laughs> that's fascinating. Why? Well, that's a slightly thornier, or should I say, hornier issue um because unicorns have quite a rich mythology going back to the first civilization with a written record the babylonians and they're also a feature of indian mythology going back thousands of years whereas the scots only adopted the unicorn as their national emblem in the 16th century 
interesting. Why why choose the unicorn? Well, there are a few reasons, but the main one is that for the longest time, the English had the lion as its national emblem. And according to mythology, lions and unicorns are natural enemies really? and are known for fighting, with a unicorn being a symbol of independence. <laughs> In particular, it's said that unicorns are almost impossible to capture. And as we know, the English and the Scots have been bashing seven bells out of one another since records began. So it seems like the best guess is the Scots chose it as a symbol to represent opposition to and independence from their nearest neighbour. Neighbour. <laughs> See what you did there. So, hold on. You mentioned stories of unicorns have been around since the Babylonians. And when I think about the classical representation of a unicorn, it's a white horse, a spiral horn in the middle of its forehead. Uh Is that the kind of thing we can see in ancient Babylonian texts? Well, uh, no, not really. So (laughs) that version of the unicorn emerged during the European Middle Ages with the white colour and so on being a representation of purity. That all links to chivalric ideas of womanhood in particular, in that it said only a female virgin can catch a unicorn. Yes, that's right. And the unicorn horn has a whole other set of implications, doesn't <laughs> yes, it? And there's indeed. that lovely series of tapestries, the lady and the unicorn. Quite where right, he's exactly. Laying his head in her lap. Yes, in well. Just away. <laughs> indeed. So before then, there are several different cultural traditions of unicorns. So, for example, in the Hebrew Bible, there are nine separate references to a creature called a re-em, that's spelled R-E hyphen E-M in English, which was translated as unicorn in the King James Bible. Other translations call it an oryx, that's O-R-Y-X, which mm. many scholars believe might be a reference to aurochs, the mm. huge type of bison that became extinct in 1627. Oh, really? I, I had no idea they became extinct so late. Yeah, I yeah. thought the oryx was extinct well before 1627. I mean, oryx are their own fascinating animal and were a major source of food for Paleolithic and Neolithic populations grazing across Europe, North Africa, right across the Middle East, parts of Russia and into India and China, with the earliest auroch fossils, and check this out, dating from about 230,000 years ago. Mm Oh, that is amazing. So what happened in 1627 to wipe out the oryx population for good? Well, the last auroch recorded as killed was in a Polish forest in 1627, and we haven't seen one since. Though it's worth saying that bison and modern-day cattle are both kind of descended from aurochs, so we still kind of have aurochs around today. Yeah, but they're not two metres tall. No, that's true. Um, Still, in the ancient Indian tradition, The unicorn was said to have a body like a cow with a curved horn that angled up a bit. These accounts come from about 4,000 years ago and the Indus Valley during the Bronze Age with art of those unicorns showing them with harnesses eating from mangers. So the ancient Indians had tame unicorns. Well, it appears so. And then there's no reference to them in ancient South Asian art after the Indus Valley people declined, which people theorise happened because of both an influx of the Aryan civilization and a series of droughts and famines. But the Indus Valley civilization was part of a wider trade network that spread across Central Asia and into East Africa to Mesopotamia and Persia and so on. So it might be that unicorns were part of trade across that area. Well, it seems maybe so, and some theories even have it that these unicorns were used to pull carts. That's wild and 
I want that as my conveyance. I know, right? So it's probably worth saying here that these unicorns look an awful lot like rhinoceros. (laughs) (laughs) And you kind of have to wonder whether some accounts of unicorns are based on rhinos. I mean, by that logic, we could say that unicorns aren't mythical. They absolutely still exist. They just got really sad, ate a lot of ice cream, and now we call them rhinos. (laughs) (laughs) More than that, it kind of makes almost too much sense. Because, you know, when you think about the hippopotamus, Mm. like that in translation from Latin literally means water horse. And a hippo, if you've ever seen one, especially up close, does not look at all like a horse. No, but it's a lot more practical for carrying things because it has a broader back Okay. in defence of the hippo. I mean, you know, they are the deadliest animal in Africa. More deaths from hippopotamus than lions or leopards or any of those other like big cat creatures. Maybe the Scots should have chosen the hippo. (laughs) Maybe they should have. But I've got to say, the unicorn as a horned horse of mythology has has a bit more elegance than rhino. And I like rhinos yeah. a lot. I, I find them very endearing. But yeah, you no. can see why the, the long-limbed horse of was course. popular. Absolutely. Um, although, you know, there's statues and seals of these unicorns from the Indus Valley people and from ancient Persepolis and the Apadana, that's in like modern day Iran. Um, The ancient Greeks give a few accounts of them. And well, there's loads of interesting stuff about these accounts. So for example, it's said that unicorn meat is really bitter and unpleasant to eat. Well, that serves people right for trying to eat unicorns. (laughs) Not fancy a unicorn burger if that was on the menu? that's not nice. (laughs) Okay, all right. Uh, So Pliny the Elder, describes unicorns as a monoceros. <laughs> That's amazing. I know. So according to Pliny the Elder, it has a head of a stag, the feet of an elephant, the tail of a boar, the body of a horse, and a single black horn in the middle of its forehead. Yeah, we're not going to start trusting Pliny the Elder. <laughs> well, maybe not. But other ancient Greeks like Alien, Theseus, and Cosmos of Alexandria all wrote about the same kinds of creatures appearing in the Caucasus Mountains, Ethiopia, and in India, all referring to them as, in Arabic, the Karkadan, which means rhinoceros, and as one-horned horses that are different from antelopes, donkeys, and oryx. So when did unicorns start becoming all delicate and slim and mysterious and it, last unicorny? <laughs> about 200 AD. Okay, what happened there? So there's this text called Physiologus, and there's a story in it about a virgin, generally thought to represent the Virgin Mary, who encounters a wild unicorn, which is out hunting. Only as soon as the unicorn sees this maiden, it's tamed by her innocence and it lays its head on her lap and falls asleep. On her lap. Ah. Yeah. Uh, And this kind of begins a tradition of courtly terms, I guess you'd say, around male lovers being attracted to ladies like unicorns are to virgins. (laughs) I mean... The horn subtext. I know. It, it doesn't get any more refined, does it? Yep. It is that basic. Genuinely horny <laughs> beasts. And this version of unicorns becomes the norm throughout Europe during the Renaissance. So the famous Italian poet Petrarch wrote his Triumph of Chastity, where this idea is prevalent. Marco Polo wrote about them, as did Leonardo da Vinci. And this version of the unicorn then fed into the golden period of European tapestry making. As you alluded to, you've got lots of lions lots of unicorns and virgins and penned unicorns actually being really common motifs 
That'll make sense. Yeah, so to double underline it, when unicorns were shown in captivity, they were often shown chained to pomegranate trees. Oh, come on. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> all right. Um, so it's probably worth unpacking that a little bit for yeah. listeners who might not be as nerdy as us. But the pomegranate tree is another famous symbol of female sexuality. And yep. it's, it's very fairly obvious. I mean, if you cut open a pomegranate, you can see why. Yes. And, and this one, it's fairly ubiquitous in the Middle Ages, the pomegranate. And you can see it in pre-Raphaelite art and elsewhere too. So <laughs> this started to change your perception of the unicorn. Yes, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably worth adding that the Europeans also associated the unicorn with goats for some reason. So that's where the white comes in for the most part, uh, with a combination of a goat-like beard and cloven hoofs. So I actually read that in Renaissance portraiture, when uh, painters wanted to depict a lady, for example, holding a unicorn in yes. her lap, they would get their sitter to hold a goat. Yeah, that's right. And they would paint in a goat and then just shove a horn on the front. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> the single spiral horn, the horse body, this idea of kind of raw animal passion, all of these things, they, they actually coalesced during this particular period of time. It's pretty mind-blowing, isn't it? Especially, you know, the, the unicorn today, it's become an image we, we see a lot and it, it, it's associated with children quite a lot. Yeah. Children have unicorns printed on things. There are lots of unicorn items and toys and not really this kind of sexual beast no, of uh, the Middle Ages. And since the heraldic era, the unicorn has changed again and again. Of course, unicorns appear in Spencer's Fairy Queen, in Shakespeare, and on and on, experiencing a major, major revival during the Victorian era, where unicorns were often associated with rainbows, which is quite interesting. Yeah, and I, I saw that's why today we sometimes associate unicorns with the LGBTQIA plus movement yes, as well. Yes, pretty much, yeah. And also because they're, they're special. and that, That's precisely right. So with the, the rainbow flag, that developed in the 1970s, and since then there's been this kind of connection drawn between queerness and unicorns maybe because they're mythical in the same mm. way as mermaids and fairies and maybe because they're a kind of other maybe because the gender of unicorns is a bit ambiguous but you know either way it's an interesting connection and a strange through line if you think about it it really is isn't it from ancient indian pack animals to ancient greek bestiaries to medieval lusty beasts <laughs> then unnameability and Victorian rainbow queerness. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Either way, there's a lot to like. <laughs> yeah, there is. And there are a few other sort of unicorn creatures from other places in the world. So um, you've got the, the quillin of Chinese mythology, also known as the kirin in Japanese myths, and the quili of Vietnamese legend. Although that one has green scales on its sides with the body of a deer and the head of a lion, as well as the classic horn. Why isn't our car design contest just draw these weird things? Like, I wouldn't mean, that be incredible? It's a series three car design contest. Yeah. Design your own mythical Green piece. scale, body of a deer, head of a lion, classic <laughs> yeah. horn. Love it. Then you have things like the okapi. I don't know if you've heard of this one. It's thought to be a kind of giraffe these days, but they were once known as the African unit. Unicorn. And then lastly, there's the Al-Mirage of Arabic myth, which is a horned rabbit. Whoa. Apparently, one of them was given as a gift to Alexander the Great. Wow. Well, this has been a proper eye-opener in terms of strange beasts. So what's next? 
I definitely want more creatures. Okay. Which one are you going to talk about in our next Three Ravens Bestiary episode? Well, we've started with a pseudo-Scottish medieval classic. Why don't we shift focus to our Irish cousins and next time talk about the Banshee. Oh, I can't wait. I'll start warming up my voice for a Banshee impression. <laughs> now, in the meantime, if you'd like bonus content, including all of our episodes ad-free, all of the stories from our mainline episodes as text versions and bonus content, including all our special episodes and episodes of the Three Ravens Film Club, please consider joining our Patreon for just $3 a month or $6 a month at patreon.com forward slash Three Ravens Podcast. And please, if you can, write us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Email us with thoughts, feedback, and unicorn artwork if you have it <laughs> to Three Ravens Podcast at gmail.com and follow us on social media via Facebook.com forward slash Three Ravens Podcast, Instagram at Three Ravens Podcast, and on Twitter via at Three Ravens Pod. Until next time, while our mythical creature's gone that way, we'll go this way. And remember, don't whistle till you're out of the woods. God sent every gentleman Such hounds, such hawks, and such lean man With a down, derry, 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 down, down Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.